What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon. The path to a clean energy future is riddled with complex questions. Like how soon can we update our aging grid for all the renewable energy that's either already in the queue or on its way? How are we going to build out the necessary supply chain? More specifically, where are we going to build out that supply chain? And even with the Inflation Reduction Act already powering serious amounts of funding for renewables, questions remain about how we're going to pay for all the various aspects of the transition. And of course, one of the most important questions is who exactly is going to do all that work? Workforce development is a key piece of this entire conversation. Proponents of the energy transition can't stop talking about all the jobs, jobs, jobs it will bring, but what exactly will that workforce look like? Joining me today to talk about that very topic is Jasmine Robinson. Jasmine is a project manager at IHI TerraSun, and her journey into the renewable sector is a fascinating one. At an early age, we're talking high school, Jasmine managed to juggle her talent for basketball with her passion for engineering. Her skills in both areas helped her find her way to Marquette University, where she continued to excel on the court and in the classroom. And then, following graduation, she found a job where she is able to put those skills to work in the energy industry. Jasmine is here to talk about what can be done to attract more women like her to renewables. I mean, let's be real. The energy sector isn't exactly bursting at the seams with women engineers. So Jasmine's keen to see things like STEM classes, mentoring programs, and other initiatives used to develop a pipeline of talented women to seize all those jobs, jobs, jobs. Jasmine has been there, done that and she's determined to see more women follow in her footsteps. So her insights are definitely worth a listen. Real quick, just a reminder to make sure that if you haven't already, go back and listen to some of the recent episodes of this podcast. Jill Blickstein, the Vice President of Sustainability at American Airlines, joined me to talk about the future of sustainable air travel. And most recently, Casey Peters from Pivot Energy talked about the buzz surrounding community solar. If the early audience analytics for those two episodes are any indication, Something tells me this show will be revisiting the topics of sustainable aviation fuel and community solar real soon. So yeah, lots of great info in the archives of this podcast. But for now, let's get rolling with Jasmine Robinson from IHI TerraSun. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today. My guest is Jasmine Robinson from IHI Terrason. Jasmine, how are you doing today? I am great. It's a great morning. Thank you for having me, Sean. You're coming to us from Chicago, right? Yes, yes. How are things in the Windy City? So far, so good. So far, so good. We got the sun out, um, so that's always a plus around this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. We're still waiting for the sun here in Portland. <laughs> So anyway, I wanted to bring you on because I want to hear more about what you and the team at IHI TerraSun do. We're going to do a lot of talking about how the clean energy sector can develop a more diverse workforce. But first, let's kind of set the table for some of our listeners who might not know who you are or perhaps what TerraSun does. So what kind of activities are you involved in and what's your role? Yeah. So TerraSun, we provide integration software and services for large-scale utility um, energy storage projects. My position um, for TerraSun, I'm a project manager. So as the project manager, I usually take the project from the sales team, uh, work directly with the customers for uh, delivery of the equipment, working with the vendors, um, working with our logistics procurement team to uh, land the equipment, 
I'm also in the background of me delivering the equipment. I'm working with our uh, engineers, uh, our software team, and um, uh, like our uh, electrical engineers to create create the software or the uh, different programs that we're going to use to integrate the storage system. Once we deliver, we take the software, take the equipment, and we start our commissioning. We'll go into uh, the cold commissioning of the inverters, uh, batteries, and then we'll jump into high commissioning whenever the utility is ready. Still working with the customer all the while. Then we start our testing. Uh, so then I'm working with our services department who's out there troubleshooting, troubleshooting in the field, and then also uh, remotely trying to pass the test that uh, we've come up with to say, hey, our system is ready to rock. All right. So when you say, you know, large scale, you know, utility projects, we're talking what kind of technology are you talking wind, solar, everything, or what are we talking about? Uh, mostly solar, solar and energy storage. That's, that's where we are. Yep. Okay. And so part of the reason I wanted to bring you on is kind of talk about the job prospects that have been presented by the Inflation Reduction Act uh, and what the workforce will look like. So someone like you, I want to kind of just get back to like, what made you decide to pursue a career in clean energy and specifically, you know, pursue a career in engineering? Engineering. <laughs> this, this goes back to high school. So when I was in high school or just period growing up, I loved math, science, and working with my hands. My chemistry teacher noticed my love for this and my passion, uh, and he presented me with the opportunity for a uh, to to go to an engineering camp. So I attended this engineering camp. <clears throat> it was in the summertime. Got the information. I actually didn't know that I would be able to make it because I had a basketball tournament that same weekend before, and I didn't think I'd be able to make it. Made it happen. Went to the basketball tournament and immediately got dropped off at the engineering camp right after that for a week. Uh, so I had um, there we focused on the different disciplines, civil, structural, uh, electrical and mechanical. Uh, and that's where I noticed that I like electrical the best. And then as I was preparing for, uh, you know, looking for colleges, that's when I uh, noted that that was what I wanted to major in electrical engineering. I got you. And I just did a little homework on you. And uh, how'd that hoops part work out? It was great. It, it was a fun time. As you know, we, they just finished the uh, the final four. So I got to go to the national championship game on Monday. And uh, let's see, I, I got we got to two NCAA tournaments and then two NIT. So we were postseason uh, every time. Where were you at? Where'd you play? Uh, Marquette University. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Big time. Yes. Big time. Dwayne Wade. <laughs> <laughs> were you all there at the same time no as i was coming he was leaving so all right gotcha well hey i always like you know learning more about people's background and kind of how they you know ended up where they are in their field so what made you decide to take you know that engineering background and, and bring it to the renewable sector so um the renewable sector so i, I started off i started engineering off in um, nuclear power where I, I worked on nuclear power plants as an electrical engineer um i did that for about almost 12 years, wanted to get a change of, change of pace, change of speed, change of scenery, um, jumped over to mission critical facilities for a year where I worked on data centers. As I was there, I got reached out to about an opportunity in uh, renewable energy, uh, energy storage. And I did a little bit of homework and decided that I felt like I could come in and help and, and decided to give uh, energy storage a try. 
All right. So it sounds like you have a fascinating, you know, path to where you are now. But you know, what advice would you give to a young person, say, who's in that same age, you know, high school where you were trying to juggle basketball and engineering camp? What advice would you give to someone at that age who's interested in, in working in this field, you know, this field of renewables? Yeah. So in, in thinking about that, if you've already done your homework on renewables, then you kind of know where we're heading and the the fast paced industry that it is and how, how much it's growing. Uh, so I guess just, you know, stick with it and keep an open mind and be be eager and ready to learn. Right. So no one day is going to look alike. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know, but be willing to follow that. I don't know, but I'll get the answer for you. Do some homework, reach out to people and just go for it. I got you. Yeah, absolutely. Just be ambitious and kind of eager to learn. Yes. You also talked about how you kind of made your pivot from nuclear over to, you know, another wing of the energy sector, if you will. So one of the things that's been in the news in the last few years is there's a lot of folks out there who are kind of doing mid-career pivots who might start out in something completely different. And then for whatever motivations they have, they decide they want to get into clean energy. So what about folks like that who are bringing a little bit more experience to the table? But that can be kind of a, I don't want to say a scary proposition, but you know, for someone who's established themselves in one career, in one industry to try and change to another any advice you have for folks like that to how to go ahead and make the leap? Oh, it's scary. <laughs> it's it's scary, but that's okay, right? Change is scary, but your experience will help you get you through, right? So although there's differences between the different sectors that I've been in, there are a lot of similarities. That's one of the reasons why I came over is because I felt like my experiences from those different sectors would help out here and help grow uh, renewables, energy storage, help them get to the level of, of the other sectors. So I would say rely on your experiences. And then again, just like the young person, you have to be eager to learn and hone your skills for this particular, uh, for this particular sector. So that's, that's the advice I would give. Rely on your experiences, but still be eager to learn. Yeah. And, and, Chances are there's something you've done in the past that's applicable to what you're trying to tackle now, oh, yeah, right? Sure. So, so people can definitely rely on that. Exactly. You know, so we spent a few minutes here talking about about your experience coming up into, into this sector and, you know, some of the choices that other folks are making to, to enter it. But one of the things I want to ask you about is what are some of the things the industry itself can do to attract talent from other fields, attract young talent that's coming out of school or coming up out of various schools, whether it's colleges or trade schools or anything like that? You've been around this industry long enough to know what it does well and what it doesn't. So what are some of the things the industry can do to develop a stronger and more diverse workforce for the future ahead? Sean, that's a that's a great question. And I think they're doing it. I think the industry is doing it. And I think they just need to continue and and, and try to do more. And what I what I feel like and what I see that that they're doing that I didn't necessarily see when I was coming up are the STEM programs more emphasis on the STEM programs, STEM schools, uh, like my, my daughter uh, goes to a, a STEM school now, after school programs, workshops. What I see is like the YMCA, they'll, they'll offer like a three-day STEM program uh, where you can come in and do different projects and get kids, you start, start them early, get different kids of all different backgrounds uh, interested in the STEM for number one. And then uh, and then, like, like I said, the after school programs, my daughter is also involved in like the girls who code after school programs. So 
Another thing that I see, like some of the conferences that we attend, they have job fairs. Uh, networking is key. Um, networking is key. The conferences holding those job fairs allows for the graduates to come out and look for different jobs in, in the industry. And then just going back to your alma maters, uh, that helps too. So going back and um, going to the job fairs, I haven't seen that much in energy storage, but I think that's something that we can we can start doing is uh, going back to the alma maters to job fairs and, and talk more about your company and the industry and for recruitment purposes. Gotcha. And also, I want to kind of touch on one other aspect of this. As a woman who's come through the engineering field, how have you seen attitudes towards women in engineering shift during the last 15 years or so? Um, <laughs> it's, it, I don't want, I don't know shift. Give me a second. Here. Has it shifted? I guess is my best question. Let, 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 <laughs> I guess I'm, pres- I'm presuming there's been some evolution, but maybe we're still kind of stuck in the <laughs> the wrong time. So no, no, no. Uh, it, it is, it is definitely making a turn, right? So I'll go back to when I first started, right? Let's start at the engineering camp. So at the engineering camp, I didn't see, I didn't see a, a lot of girls, even in uh, elect- my electrical engineering class, not a lot of girls. And then, you know, we, we didn't um, have a lot of the same STEM programs that are out there now. So the STEM programs that they're offering and the more emphasis that we have on STEM, that that is helping more uh, girls, young ladies, women get more involved. So that is a shift that's that's being made. One of the guys in our company noticed, you know, he, he went to a robotics competition with uh, his son and he noted, you know, uh, that there were a lot of girls there. Um, I think more women are getting involved. So that's refreshing to see that when I do walk into certain rooms, you know, there are other women, whereas before I would have been the only one. So it is it is changing slowly, but I think we are making the right steps to to get us there. Okay, and I think that kind of segues to my next question about, you know, what excites you about the future of of energy storage or clean power? Obviously that that aspect of it, I'm sure, motivates you to kind of you got your own daughter enrolled in after school STEM programs. So what else about the energy storage or clean power sector has you excited? Yeah. So clean power period excites me, right? Because it's good for the environment. So that's number one. Number two, uh, with clean power and renewable energy growing so fast and storage growing so fast, I feel like my experience can help get the industry where we want it to go and, and where we need it to go to be a more established industry like nuclear mission critical facilities. So that's what excites me. That excites me is that, you know, I'm able to come in and, and make an immediate impact to help get us where we want to go. I understand. Then what about you personally? So what are the next steps for your own career? I mean, you've made the transition from, you know, nuclear over to the energy storage side of things. And so when you kind of map out where you want to be in the next 10 to 15 years, what kind of goals are on your list? Whew, that's a good, that's a good question. You're going to be uh, the CEO, right? You're just going to take over everything. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out, Jamal. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, when I came over here, I was um, doing the uh, distributed generated project. So they're, the, they're smaller projects, but it's a lot of them, right? So my goal is to just every project that I get, make it better. There's always room for improvement. So I'm actually going going through right now through some lessons learned with my client and, and just trying to figure out how can we get better um, as a company, um, as a project, 
So that's the immediate thing, just trying to get better. And then, you know, ultimately, maybe I have a team, maybe I get more involved. I, I would love to get more involved in mentoring, speaking at classrooms like kindergarten or something like that, career day, things like that. Just trying to help, just just trying to help grow the industry. Okay. And I love how you talk about how you want to kind of get back and talk in classrooms and, and, and kind of help the next generation come along. But looking back at your own experience and your own path to where you are now, were there any particular events that might have taken place or individuals who served in kind of a mentorship role for you that really helped play a big part in getting you where you are today? Yes, there there was actually. So when I first, um, well, first off, my chemistry teacher, Mr. Kang, uh, you know, if he doesn't, he if he doesn't put that engineering pamphlet in my hand and ask and present that opportunity with me, I, you know, maybe I would have figured out what engineering was, but uh, that started it all. Once I got into engineering, once I took my first job, I would say, when I talk about reaching back, one of um, the vice presidents at my old company. He was on the board, the engineering board at Marquette University. So meeting him and that's what helped me, you know, get my foot in the door at uh, at my first company. I gained a bunch of experience there, which allows me the confidence to be able to do what I do now. Um, and then my first supervisor, she was a woman and she helped me a lot, you know, going. I think she played a major role in shaping my confidence and experience and getting out into the field and just pretty much just throwing me into the fire. She was like, no, this is what you need to do. You're going to do this, go there. And then, you know, we, a lot of back and forth between us. I think those are the major three that stick out to me um, right now. Those three do it for me. So what programs or organizations are out there right now who might be trying to either attract women to renewable energy space or retain the women who are already here? Uh, yes, I believe We Rise is doing a great job. We Rise is Women of Renewable Industries and Sustainable Energy. I've been to a couple of their events that they've had and the energy when I have gone to those events have been amazing. And the networking opportunities I've connected with so many women at these um, events, it, it is it is amazing, and and we actually keep in touch now. Uh, one 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 of the uh, one of the ladies, a couple of the ladies I was talking to at, at one of the events was in Long Long Storage, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, she's in Long Storage too. I think maybe you guys should connect. She went over there and to her, she was like, yeah, your friend said that um, you were in Long Storage, and she goes, friend, I don't have a friend here. And then she pointed to me, she goes, oh yes. <laughs> So those those moments, uh, <laughs> it was it, it was it was really funny. We, we laughed a long t- long time about that. So events uh, continuing to have those events helps because it's it's refreshing for us for women when we go to those events because then we don't feel alone, right? So and we feel like ah yeah, there is somebody that's feeling you know that is experiencing the same thing that I'm that I'm experiencing. And then uh, like I noted, uh, my daughters and girls who code. So programs like that helps. Uh, the younger generation and and gets them excited and keep them excited about STEM opportunities. So those those are the two major things that that I see right now that I feel are Im- impactful. Okay, if I had asked you to paint a picture of what this field looks like, specifically the engineering part of the clean energy sector looks like in the next decade or fifteen years, what kind of programs are in place to develop a stronger and more diverse workforce? And what role are you playing 
the programs that are in place now, um, I think I touched on them a little bit earlier, the after school programs uh, that they have, the girls who code, the the different workshops, uh, like ComEd has workshops, STEM workshops that they uh, provide to school age kids um, to get them um, involved in STEM. How, how I'm playing a part um, is encouraging um, people when when I see them doubting themselves. Uh, so, you know, like I said before, it may look scary, but I think confidence is is number one. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of positive energy. That is what I see is out there as far as programs and how STEM is growing on, on everybody and then uh, how I am able to uh, help bring it along. Well, hey, Jasmine, I got to tell you, uh, your, your positive attitude comes right on through just in talking to you. So yes, I appreciate all your time and your insights today. So thank you very much. All right. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you all for listening. And if you haven't already, please subscribe or follow this show on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And as always, please be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues. Have a great day.